noon report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. The blizzard of the century. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. New York Governor Kathy Hochul's description of what hit the listening area over Christmas weekend is hard to dispute, especially in western New York. We'll be getting through this together very soon. I feel confident of that. But the most important thing is please stay at home. For the next day, over two dozen deaths in the Buffalo area have been attributed to the storm, including many right in the city, which still has a driving ban in effect. Mayor Byron Brown says he isn't asking drivers, he's telling them. Stay off the roads. This public works official says much remains to be done. There's cars everywhere pointing the wrong direction on roads. There's abandoned buses on roads, so it's, it's a very, very tenuous situation. Brown says the level of devastation in the Queen City is almost without precedent for a winter storm. We've had a number of fatalities, people dying in the street, people passing away in cars that have been stuck, and some that have passed away in homes without heat. So this has been probably one of the most devastating storms that this city has ever seen. Some major roads still remain shut down in the area, but others, including the New York State Thruway, the 290, and Route 400 and 219 have now reopened. What was it like to ride out this storm? WIVB spoke with some city residents. We don't get plowed under the best of circumstances very quickly, and so I can't even imagine when we're going to get plowed out of here. I've grown up in the area my whole life, and um, honestly, like this is definitely the worst uh, storm I've ever been a part of. Yeah. We luckily didn't lose power, but a lot of people we knew are still out of power right now and yeah. just trying to stay warm. Honestly, I've just been stuck in my house with the snow. It's been wild, crazy. Among the myriad problems during the storm, house fires compounded by emergency vehicles struggling to respond to them and looting of several stores drawing the ire of the mayor. I don't know how these people can even live with themselves, how they can look at themselves in the mirror. They are the lowest of, of the low. Brown says it's especially disturbing looters weren't doing it for food or other necessities. Buffalo Police Chief Joseph Gramaglia says officers responded to several reports, intervened in some and made some arrests. On the bright side, Rochester and even communities as far away as New Jersey have sent snow removal equipment and other assistance to help unbury Buffalo and Western New York. Mayor By By. Uh, By President Biden has signed an emergency declaration to provide federal aid to areas impacted by the storm. Utility crews also are making progress toward restoring power. Some have been without it for days. For the second time this week, the Buffalo Sabres have had a scheduled game postponed by the weather. They were supposed to be in Columbus tonight to play the Blue Jackets, but with the Buffalo-Niagara International Airport still closed, team not able to get out. Indeed, the airport is closed until tomorrow afternoon, at last report. Would-be holiday travelers have had a tough time, whether driving or flying. Joe Thornton, among about 200 people stranded over the weekend at a Denny's restaurant along the thruway in Pembroke. There were families sleeping on tables, sleeping on, you know, three dining chairs, heads down on the table. This man tried unsuccessfully to fly to Buffalo for the holidays. Since then, though, he's been stuck in Denver trying to get back home to California. I understand that, you know, they couldn't fly in Buffalo, but what's it's been a little maddening not being able to get back home to Sacramento. We wanted to fly even on San Francisco, San Jose, anything remotely in the area, and they couldn't do it. 
He was booked on Southwest, which is now the focus of federal scrutiny since over half of yesterday's Southwest flight delays and cancellations were uh, their problem. But the airline's Jay McVeigh says their issues were beyond their control. By the time that we would get a runway clear in Denver and get airplanes de-iced and ready to go, that snow and ice was starting to impact St. Louis, Kansas City, uh, Chicago, and it just snowballed. Good choice of words there. Already today, about 3,000 flights have been canceled and another 1,000 delayed. And once again, a majority of those involve Southwest Airlines. The weather's also caused problems as far south as Jackson, Mississippi. Again, they're having water woes. Thousands of residents there under a boil water advisory due to low or no water pressure. The cold weather to blame. This resident says no big shock. The infrastructure concerning the water been bad like this for years. So it's no surprise that the water turned out like it did for Christmas. A citywide state of emergency declared in Jackson. While cases of RSV and other respiratory viruses seem to be ebbing a bit across most of the USA now, a shortage of children's pain relievers and fever reducers has not. But this pediatrician says parents shouldn't be hitting the panic button. The manufacturers are still manufacturing these medicines as much as they always have been. We are just seeing unprecedented demand. Don't panic. This is not going to lead to any kind of a complication with your child. These are medicines simply to make your child more comfortable. Now to Ukraine. Are peace talks in the offing between Russia and Ukraine? Ukraine's foreign minister says it could happen as soon as February. Every war ends as a result of the actions taken at the battlefield and at the negotiating table. However, that official says any deal would have to include Russia facing a war crimes tribunal. Also today in Russia, reports of another deadly drone attack at a military base deep inside the country. It's the second time this month the base was targeted. State TV reacted to the attack with a warning. She says Russia will seek revenge by launching more strikes against Ukrainian infrastructure. CBS's Ian Lee. Another attack on the U.S. power grid, this time in the Tacoma, Washington area. Thousands left in the dark Christmas weekend. Pierce County Sheriff Sergeant Darren Moss Jr. A fence area had been broken into. The suspects cut one of the locks on the fence area, uh, made their way inside and caused damage to the substation. The latest in a series of attacks on power substations around the country. President Biden says he'll sign Congress's $1.7 trillion budget when it makes it to his desk. Republican Lee Zeldin says you'd have to visit a pig farm to find that much pork. You have the individual earmarks, individual priorities of members of Congress. It's amazing how many people are renaming buildings after themselves. Biden says the spending plan's a good one. Supreme Court expected to decide today whether to hear a challenge by a group of Republican governors to keep Title 42 in place. The policy's been used since the pandemic to send migrants back to Mexico who are seeking asylum before their applications were decided. America's border crisis once again underscored by a busload of illegal immigrants arriving from Texas on the doorstep of Vice President Kamala Harris's Washington, D.C. home over the weekend. A move President Biden called a shameful stunt. Tatiana Labortis with an immigrant aid group. There is a way to do what Texas is doing in a way that preserves that humanity, providing them with more meals, letting us know when the buses are coming ahead of time. But Art Del Cueto with the National Border Patrol Council says Harris shouldn't mind the continued migrant drop-offs at her doorstep. Vice President Harris, she should thank Governor Abbott because he's saving her the trip that she desperately does not want to make to the border so she can see the problem. He's bringing the border to her. He's saving her that trip. Abbott has pledged to continue sending illegal migrants to Democrat-run cities until the Biden administration makes meaningful moves toward border security. Still to come on the Noon Report, New Year, new laws in New York, the population in New York and PA dwindling again, and just how much lying is too much lying during a political campaign. Well, good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams, and, uh, well, we're tracking still a few lake effect flakes still flying east of Lake Erie, Ontario. 
but the pattern is changing. Milder days are ahead. Your forecast is up in 10. Well, that sounds good, Kevin. Thank you. Now, checking the stories making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. The Rochester Fire Department says a burst pipe responsible for causing a big mess at URMC's Clinical Research Center. When crews arrived at the building on Crittenden Boulevard yesterday, they noticed there was water flowing from a four-inch standpipe on the fifth floor. As a result, extensive water damage done to multiple floors. Patient care, though, not affected. And a burst pipe last night in Scranton, PA, flooded the Catholic Social Services building, displacing over 40 people. In fact, the deep freeze the past few days has led to frozen pipes in a lot of homes as well. Experts say rule number one, never use an open flame to try and thaw them out. Steve Marino runs a plumbing business in Pennsylvania. An open cabinet doors, put a space heater in front of that, and that'll keep the pipes that are under the cabinet warm to where they don't freeze. Rick Amadon is a plumber from Rochester. He says on bitter cold nights, it might be a good idea to let that faucet drip too. One sink is good, and usually the furthest sink from where the water comes into the house, and that way water is flowing through all of the pipes. A winter warm-up, as we heard from Kevin, is coming to most of the area this week, which should help thaw out some of those frozen pipes. A food recall by a popular grocery chain. Wegmans is recalling greens that could be contaminated with salmonella. This affects baby kale and baby spinach, microgreens, and cat grass sold in seven states. Wegmans says the soil the products were grown in tested positive for the bacteria, but so far no illnesses have been reported. The new year means new laws in New York. Family Life's Bob Price with more. Yeah, that's right, Mark. Most notable among these new laws is an increase in the minimum wage. It goes up a dollar an hour in 2023. Also, next year, college athletes can get paid to do endorsements in New York. New York's paid family leave law will be expanding, and airports will be required to offer nursing stations for new mothers. The Electric Vehicle Rights Act will allow homeowners to install EV charging stations on their property and also effective January 1st. Registered voters who cast ballots at the wrong polling precinct can still have that vote counted so long as they are in the correct county. Just a few of the new laws in New York next year. Bob Price, Family Life News. All right, thanks, Bob. Embattled New York Congressman-elect George Santos is admitting he lied about his education, work experience, and family history. After allegations of falsifying his campaign resume, the Republican tells WABC Radio. A lot of people overstate in their resumes or um, twist a little bit or ingrandiate themselves. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that. I'm just saying I've done so much good work in my career. Meanwhile, University of Virginia political analyst Larry Sabato's take. What's really remarkable is that just a few years ago, Democrats and Republicans and independents from left to right would have joined together and said, this guy has got to go. Santos also told the New York Post that he is gay. After being married to a woman for almost five years, he says he's, again, quote, not a criminal and that the resume lies won't deter him from being a successful lawmaker. Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania, lost over 40,000 residents this past year. Family Life's Terry Diener takes a closer look. According to the new data released by the U.S. Census Bureau, it was the fourth largest loss out of all states. In total, 18 states saw a decline in population over the course of the year. The three states that saw greater population decline during the year were New York, California, and Illinois. New York, by comparison, lost more than 180,000 residents. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thanks, Terry. Some Pennsylvania lawmakers want to prevent future automatic gas tax 
hikes. WGAL's Tom Lyman. PennDOT says the fuel tax hikes are required under a provision from a 2013 transportation law signed by former Governor Tom Corbett. Representative-elect Joe D'Orsi is creating a measure to do away with those auto increases. We can't have this bill just automatically tick up without people having a say. The tax hike starts for drivers in less than a week. A Republican lawmaker says he'll introduce a bill that would amend the state constitution to require voters to show ID at the polls. State Senator Dan Laughlin, who's from Erie, says a state poll shows nearly three-quarters of those responding in favor of a voter ID requirement. Amending the state constitution requires a bill to pass two consecutive sessions of the General Assembly before an idea is put before the voters. Since lawmakers backed a similar bill last session, you could see the question on ballots as soon as the May primaries. The bitter temperatures have been taking a toll on the homeless in Pennsylvania. We have two rooms here that basically hold about 30 people a room. We had 190 people in here on uh, Christmas Day. Christopher Taylor with Upper Room of Erie tells Jet 24. We just don't have the capacity anymore to handle the homeless situation. We're trying. Temperatures in Erie hovering in the 20s today. The day shelter offers breakfast on weekdays. It opened back in 1995. And older adults and Pennsylvanians with disabilities have until the end of this week to apply for the state's 2021 property tax and rent rebate program. It benefits residents who are 65 and older, people over 50 whose spouses have died, and people with disabilities. The income limit is $35,000 per year for homeowners, $15,000 a year for renters, half of social Social Security income is excluded. And that brings us to a check of sports. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Mark, the Brooklyn Nets are rolling. They won their ninth game in a row after beating the Cavs in Cleveland 125-117 to 117 yesterday. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both scored 32 points, combining to knock down 12 three-pointers. As a team, the Nets shot 60% beyond the arc. That'll win you a lot of games if you keep doing that. Elsewhere on the hardwood, the Clippers won in overtime 142-131 over Detroit. The Heat by three over Minnesota 113-110. The Bulls fell to Houston 133-118. Pelicans came out on top of Indiana 113-93. It was San Antonio 126-122 winners over Utah. And Charlotte lost their game against Portland 124-113. In the Monday Night Football matchup, San Diego's defense was really the story of this game. They sacked Nick Foles seven times, picked him off three times, and only allowed a field goal the whole game to Indianapolis. 20-3, your final. With the win, the Chargers clinch a playoff spot. The Broncos fired their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, after their Christmas Day blowout to the Rams. And in Philadelphia, the Eagles, not good news. They have lost a key member to their offensive line. Lane Jackson tore a muscle in his abdomen. He's out for the rest of the season. There was no hockey played yesterday, but we do have hockey news. Because of all the snow that fell in Buffalo, the Sabres game against the Blue Jackets in Columbus has been canceled. Wait a minute. Snow in Buffalo canceled a game in Columbus? Yeah, the Sabres couldn't get out of town. We'll have to wait and see whether the weather will allow the Sabres game on Thursday to go on. That is a look at sports. 
Still to come on the Noon Report, recapping the latest on the blizzard of the century. The border war of words continues between President Biden and Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And the latest on the Twitter data dump. This is John Stone Street from Breakpoint. This week on Breakpoint, we're looking back at some of the best commentaries of 2022. Before we get into today's podcast, I want to remind you that Breakpoint is a listener-supported program. If this is a resource that helps you and your family think and live in this confusing cultural moment from the stable ground of a Christian worldview, please consider supporting us with your prayers and with a year-end gift. Every gift will help us start next year financially strong. Please go to colsoncenter.org slash December. That's colsoncenter.org slash December. Here's Breakpoint. On Monday night, an initial draft of the Supreme Court majority opinion on the Dobbs case was leaked to the news site Politico. And on Tuesday morning, Chief Justice John Roberts confirmed the authenticity of the draft and then called the leak, quote, a betrayal of confidences of the court intended to undermine the integrity of our operations. What's not clear is how the leaked draft of the majority opinion will compare to the final draft. Unless it is somehow significantly gutted, Justice Samuel Alito has thoroughly and thoughtfully dismantled, at least in legal terms, the 50-year hold that Roe v. Wade has held on America. Here are three observations from that leaked draft. First, Alito thoroughly dismantles the claim that the right to an abortion is found anywhere in the Constitution. He states, quote, the Constitution makes no reference to abortion and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, end quote. Thus, Alito concludes the 1992 follow-up case to Roe v. Wade, known as Planned Parenthood v. Casey, would also be overruled. Second, Alito dismantles what he calls Roe's most important rule, that states cannot protect fetal life prior to viability. When Roe was established, viability was considered to be around 28 weeks of gestation. Well, today, it's at 24 weeks or even younger. Viability, Alito further notes, is also based on the health of the mother and the hospital facilities where she lives. Quote, the viability line makes no sense, and it's telling that other countries almost uniformly eschew such a line. Third, if this decision holds, the court would not be outlawing abortion but would be returning the decisions about abortion back to the states. In the years prior to Roe v. Wade, writes Alito, about a third of the states had liberalized their laws, but Roe abruptly ended that political process. He then surmises that some states will expand abortion rights and others will limit them, but this is how states are supposed to work. State legislators will work out state regulations for abortion instead of a court, and voters, therefore, will have a voice in the process. In a tweeted response to the leak, Senator Elizabeth Warren pressed for the elimination of the filibuster so that Congress could pass the Women's Health Protection Act. And, of course, the leaked draft of Alito's opinion led to numerous references to The Handmaid's Tale and to the tired old claim that pro-lifers only care about babies until they are born. None of these claims, of course, are true. In fact, 4,000 pregnancy resource centers exist to help parents who may be in crisis. Still, if this leaked opinion is indeed reflective of what the final decision will be, then we are now faced with two things. First, we must thank God that this decades-long legal nightmare is almost over. Second, this means that the court will soon have done its job when it comes to Roe. What it cannot do is our job. What are we called to do? To speak the truth in love and to create a culture of life and care that will make, eventually, abortion unthinkable in the same category as the grave evils of history like slavery. 
For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Well, very good afternoon to all. Here is your family life weather forecast. There'll still be some lake snow in the area this afternoon, east and northeast of Lake Erie, Ontario. A couple more inches for some. Otherwise, clouds, sunny breaks, and a few flurries. High temperatures today, 20s, dropping only into the uh, upper teens to mid-20s tonight. For tomorrow and Thursday, not as cold. Some sun tomorrow, up near 40. More the way of sunshine and in the 40s for high temperatures on Thursday. Thank you very much, Kevin. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. Thanks again for joining us. The death toll from last week's winter storm now up to at least 50, and nearly 30 of those deaths in western New York, where frigid Arctic air and more than 40 inches of snow created the world's, the region's worst weather disaster in decades. President Biden has offered federal assistance to western New York as it tries to dig out. More moderate temperatures, as we've heard from Kevin, are expected in the coming days, but travel could still be hazardous. The New York State Thruway, among the roads that re open today. Governor Kathy Hochul says she's heard chilling first-hand accounts from first responders. Going into homes, going into vehicles, and in too many tragic times of finding people who did not survive the experience. This woman had her roof cave in from the weight of the snow. Everything is completely ruined. The entire kitchen is, the ceiling is on the floor. Travel's been snarled big time as well. It's been especially bad if you happen to have reservations on Southwest Airlines, which again today has canceled numerous flights. The airline's Jay McVeigh says they've done what they could. The fact that this one started west, swept east, and impacted uh, almost every single one of our largest airports that put us in a position where we struggled to recover, and we struggled to get our flight crews and airplanes where they needed to be. Now to immigration. Title 42 could end as soon as today. Barring intervention from the U.S. Supreme Court, it will end at midnight tonight. If it does, an estimated 18,000 illegal immigrants a day will cross into this country from Mexico. Meanwhile, Texas continues to bus illegal immigrants to Democrat-run cities, including a new batch to the doorstep of Vice President Kamala Harris in Washington, D.C. The White House called the move a cruel, dangerous, and shameful stunt. A spokesperson for Texas Governor Greg Abbott's office said migrants willingly chose to go to D.C. and called the administration hypocrites whose immigration policies have overwhelmed Texas borders. CBS's Jared Hill. President Biden got a lot of what he wanted through Congress this year, but an assault weapons ban wasn't one of them. We might as well move on and talk about other things we can do, like we did after Uvalde. Texas Republican Senator John Cornyn. It's the person, not the weapon, that commits these heinous offenses, and that's a place where we need to spend more of our time focusing on. There's little chance an assault weapons ban proposal will gain any traction in what, come January, will be a Republican-controlled House. The latest data dump at Twitter, Incorporated shows how the social media site rigged the COVID debate. Twitter censored advice from doctors not aligned with Biden administration policy when it came to lockdowns, masks, and vaccines. Molly Hemingway with The Federalist says it should trouble every American. In America, we believe that you have the right to express your opinion, that you can debate with people when you disagree with them. We we should not make our first instinct be to shut people down. Twitter also under fire for colluding with the FBI to squash the Hunter Biden laptop story in the run-up to the 2020 presidential election. And cold weather means people in Florida not only have to bundle up, but they also have to look up for falling iguanas. The cold causes the reptiles' bodies to shut down, and they often just fall out of trees. Once they warm up, though, they... They're just fine. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Even after Christmas Day, Christmas still matters, of course, and that's the focus of today's Noon News feature. Christmas after Christmas, the hope of the holiday after the hoopla. 
Christmas is not over. In fact, the 12 days of Christmas continue from Christmas morning all the way up to January 6th. I'm Greg Gillespie, and today's guest on our Family Life News feature is Pastor Joshua Robertson. He leads the Rock Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us, Pastor Robertson. As the culture quickly moves beyond Christmas and toward the next holiday and their next theme, please talk with us about the Christians who can maintain the message of Christ and Christmas following December 25th. As Christians, the reason why we have these celebratory times throughout, you know, Christian history is because of, you know, really how many times the Bible tells us to remember how easy it is to forget what the Lord has done, how easy it is to forget that he did subject himself to the womb of another of a human being, Mary, the Virgin Mary, and he became just like us. These times of celebration are reminders of why we serve him of why we love him, of why we give our life to obeying him, of why we give our life to telling others of the wonderful deeds of God through Christ Jesus. And so I think in the in-between times are times that, you know, we are just working for the kingdom. And also it tells us the genius of God and how God is not just a God of, you know, do's and don'ts. In fact, if you read the Bible, you see how festive God um, is and how much he you know, would tell his people to celebrate and to rejoice and to have great joy. And so these times of year are not meant to just be ceremonial, but these are times of great celebration. So I think, that, you know, after Christmas is over, we still rejoice. Uh, the, the scripture says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So as Christians, we celebrate this season um, but we always live in this mode of celebration and thereby loyalty to the one who saved us, to the one who came and the one who completed the earthly mission so that we could be at one with God. You're speaking to some folks who their Christmas celebration was different or hard or absent because of loneliness, because of a death in the family, other hardships. As we move past all the glitz and the glamour, are there ways that folks who did not live into the cultural Christmas can really celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ in the coming weeks? Sure. The coming of Jesus Christ is confirmation. Um, I I love the way the the book of Hebrews says that, that we do not have a high priest who has not been touched with, with our infirmities. In other words, he knows what it means to suffer a loss. He knows what it means for a loved one to go astray. He know, like he can identify with how we feel, um, not only from God who sits high and looks slow, but he became man like us. Um, so he would know what it's like to have a common cold. Um, he would know what it's like to be disliked by friends. You know, the, the, the book of Isaiah, the, you know, the eagle eye prophet, the prophet that looked into the future and saw the coming Christ said he would be, you know, despised and rejected, a man of great sorrows, a man acquainted with grief. Um, so I, you know, you, you just put your spirit filled imagination, you know, it doesn't feel good to be despised and rejected. You know, the, the people who said crucify him were also the people who were commending his parents for him being a studious young, you know, young boy in the temple when he was 12 years old, inquiring of the things of God. Um, so he knows what it's like to live this human journey. He knows what it's like to ride the roller coaster of emotions that go on, 
um, as a human. And he had to go through this prayer cycle where he kept going back to God to pray because what God was requiring was an offering of suffering. So for the person who's suffering at this time of year and the person who's going through at this time of year, they can be comforted by a Christ who knows how they feel. He sees, he knows, he cares, and he has the power to make the difference. Um, And he's shown that in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So I would tell a person who's going through at this time, be comforted in knowing the Bible promises that he would be with us always. And uh, really, that's the source of the joy of the Lord that becomes our strength. Pastor Joshua Robertson of Harrisburg's The Rock Church. I'm Greg Gillespie on Family Life. Thanks, Greg. You can catch all of our feature stories by visiting FamilyLife.org and heading over to the news podcast section. Just ahead, getting away from it all without leaving the house. Let's go again to Niagara. This time we'll look at the fall. Let's leave our hut, dear. Get out of our rut, dear. Let's get away from it all. Well, very good afternoon to all. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Well, it's been a brutal spell in recent days in the lake belts east and northeast of Lakes Erie and Ontario. We all know by now the tragedies that unfolded in the heavy snows in the Buffalo area. But the pattern is soon to change. A milder, uh, less harsh pattern is just around the corner. There'll still be some lake snow in the area, though, this afternoon, east and northeast of Lake Erie and Ontario. Couple more inches for some. Otherwise, clouds, sunny breaks, and a few flurries. High temperatures today, 20s, dropping only into the uh, upper teens to mid 20s tonight. For tomorrow and Thursday, not as cold. Some sun tomorrow, up near 40. More in the way of sunshine and in the 40s for high temperatures on Thursday. All right, looking forward to that warm up, Kevin Williams. Thank you very much. Finally at noon. Just need some alone time. Yeah, we all do. When you've got to go, you've got to go, even if you don't really have to go. A new survey finds that more than half of American adults go to the bathroom. Not needing to heed the call of nature, but just so they can be flush with some alone time. The one poll survey found that 51% of adults in the U.S. go to sit on the toilet so they can have some peace and quiet. And it happens more often when there are more people in the house. Parents with kids living at home are three times more likely, 62% to 23%, to go to the bathroom to be alone than single people who don't have children. I'm Michael Kastner. All right, thanks. Uh, on that note, I've got to go. Uh, just means we're done. That's the world we live in for Tuesday, the 27th of December, 2022. As always, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.